Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. Before you start listening, this is just a disclaimer. I've recently moved, so I don't have a recording spot figured out just yet. And I apologize in advance for the echoey sound. We also want to make an announcement that our first book, Growing Your Program for School Counselors, is now available. You can order it on Amazon or other major book retailers. If you order it right this minute, maybe it'll be on your porch by the time this episode is over. We would love to see a picture of you reading it in your favorite reading spot, so tag us on social media. And when you're finished reading it, and only if you love it, leave a review on Amazon. I'm Kim Crumbly. I'm Laura Rancourt. And together we are Counselor Accent. We are in the trenches with you every single day. Oh my gosh. We're just, let's don't even say that during the summer because you're not getting it right. Okay. We're done with that. We're putting that on pause. Okay. So I can't help but notice that you've got a um, a helper with you there. I have got, who else has a 20-something year old that they can still hold in their lap and go on? <laughs> And watch um, Paw Patrol with. Just me. Just me. Well, you've got our producer, Clanton, in your lap right now. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. we're glad to have his help and expertise with this episode today. So thank you. Yeah. Yep. So um, it's kind of weird that we are not together today because, you know, I'm living very close to the compound and I think we've been together almost every day this week. So uh, no, it is. Like, I just expect it to be like, you know, how Ethel just pops into Lucy's house. They don't even uh-huh. knock. Like, Fred and Ethel are just there. And I'm just like, uh, woke up this morning, fully expecting to be hovering over my bed, like with a cup of coffee. But, but you know better than that, because we wake up at different times of the day. We do indeed. So I get it. I'm up and getting it. And you are just going to bed. But I, <laughs> yes. I get a lot of stuff done at night where you're you nocturnal sleeping. I am nocturnal in the summer. Yes. Yes, you are. And I'm never. So I would just pop in your house, but I never know when your husband's just going to be walking around in his underwear. He would love nothing more. <laughs> he's trying. I've noticed he's walking around more in his underwear. Hoping. Just in hopes. Just in hopes. That's funny. Well, um, my, I've got a, a to tell you a little something. Um, You're breaking my, up with me. I'm, I would never, don't you dare even talk like that. How dare you? Um, no, this is just a little story and a reminder of like our job and how it extends home sometimes. So my daughter, Victoria Bell, is eight years old and she is going on her first spend the night adventure with a friend. And I have been very hesitant about this step in her life because, you know, I think our role makes it very difficult, but I trust this little girl that she's going over to her house and I trust her parents a hundred percent and, you know, it's, it's going to be fine. But still, I thought this is a great opportunity to have some of those tough conversations with her. So Mm. I said, if you are ever in a situation, I said, you know, if you have another spend the night party and um, you're with your friend and I said, I don't know, maybe they've got a phone or something and they say, let's start chatting with people. It's fun. I said, I want you to call me immediately. I said, you can say, I've got a stomach ache. I need to go home. I said, and I will come get you immediately. And just tried to explain that to her. And you know, 
Victoria Bell. And so you can probably envision this, but she just sat there for a second and she looked at me and she said, but wouldn't that be a lie? And <laughs> I said, well, yeah. And she said, couldn't I just go tell her parents, hey, she's looking at things she shouldn't be on the internet and I'm worried about her safety. <laughs> that makes more sense. I was like, and that's what I told her. I was like, um, yeah, actually that's a much better option than what I just told you. So yeah, let's go with that. If she could be the parent. If she could be the parent, things would be so much different. We'd go to bed at a decent hour. We it would, would be, she would. She is the most adult child. <clears throat> Well, my we had a safety word with my with my oldest son Spencer if he went off somewhere, but usually the safety word was just because he was wanting to come home. It wasn't you know they didn't he didn't like what they were uh -uh. serving for dinner or he didn't you know there would be something like that or he was just homesick. So pizza was his safety word, you know, and now he's all grown and, and has his own family, but that's still our joke, you know, if something's going wrong, he'll call us like pizza. That's funny. Ours was watermelon. Yeah. And sometimes my mom, like if I'm involved in something and not talking a lot to her, then she'll say, do you need watermelon right now? Is and, this a situation? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it is a, I'm stuck with Kim at her dentist appointment situation or whatever. <laughs> Which happened yesterday. It, it was an orthodontist. And yes, I am at an age where you would think the orthodontist was a thing of the past, but it will never be because I'm a tongue thruster. And if you were a tongue thruster, you know that your teeth are constantly wanting to move. Aww. Oh, well, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Oh, empathy. All right. Well, on today's episode, we're very excited to have um, Lauren from the Counselor Click. And um, we're going to kind of do something different with her where we're recording one episode, but she's going, she has a podcast. And so she's going to use that same episode on her podcast and we're going to use it on ours. So we're excited to just kind of share some of the differences and commonalities between what we do at all levels. You know, sometimes we feel like we are isolated in our own role as counselors, whether you're at the elementary, middle school or high school level, we think that we're the only ones in our wheelhouse. So I'm excited to see what commonalities we can find and what are some major differences, which you already know because you have been at all of those levels. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. I think I can, I can, I, I, never mind. I don't need you or Lauren. I'm just going to do this myself. I'm just going to do this episode I'm just gonna, Yeah, okay. Okay, all I'll right. let her know. See, I think she's in the waiting room. It's too okay. late. <laughs> I'm excited. She's a superstar. This is yeah. going to be great. We are so excited to have Lauren from Counselor Click with us. I would like to say she is the specialist on all things high school counseling. And we are just very honored to have her with us to teach us a thing or two. And Kim, teach me a thing or two. How about that? About high school counseling? Because you've dabbled in the high school world. I been a high school counselor, but uh, you did more than dabble, I, I guess. You earned a badge. You, <laughs> I earned a badge, yeah. but I will say that education is changing at the speed of light, and it has been um, probably five years since I was in a high school. So it, you know, it is. It it it's a it it does continue to change. So I'm, I'm always happy to have conversations and learn from one another. So that's exciting. 
Well, well the- that'll be good because that'll be like your elementary, Laura, and then Kim, you have both, and then me is just high school. So we'll have a good conversation around both. Yeah. And, and Laura has just been hired as a middle school counselor. So uh, we're just, we're going to have a little bit of expertise and everything. So we'll I just, love it. yeah, I know. So maybe we can cover everything yeah. all age. Yeah. So Lauren, you probably don't need an introduction, but just go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Lauren Tingle. I am the face voice behind Counselor Click. I support high school counselors in social media world now. I was a high school counselor at the same high school my whole career. And a couple years ago, right during at the end of COVID, I transitioned to full-time counselor click and being a mom at home, but I had almost 10 years of experience in the high school. And now I have a podcast called High School Counseling Conversations. So we have the podcasting thing in common and I have a membership for high school counselors called the Click Collaborative, where we support high school counselors with relevant professional development training because there just aren't a lot of conversations going on about high school counseling. So any way that I can support high school counselors, I'm eager to do so. And it's really fun for me. It's a fun change of career, I guess, that I never expected, but I just love to get to serve high school counselors in a different way than I was before. Great. Well, I love that. I think anytime we can advocate for school counselors, it's, it's, I'm all in and you're absolutely right. That's kind of a, it's, it is such a difficult and different kind of counselor that sometimes I imagine, well, I, I know you can feel kind of out of you know, your job description seems sometimes so very far into elementary and middle. So, well, yeah, but we just do different things, you know, like yeah, when you speak yeah. to the kindergarten counselor, it's so different from the 12th grade counselor. And we all do very valuable things. They're just completely different. You can't have yeah, the yeah. same conversation and say, this applies to you when you're at two different ends of the spectrum. It just doesn't work the exactly. same. Right. Exactly. We're doing something kind of unique. And since you have a podcast, then um, you're going to use this episode on your podcast too. So we can introduce ourselves to your listeners. Yeah. I am Laura Rankhorn and Kim and I have a podcast called Counselor Accents Podcast. Um, I have been an elementary school counselor. And like you said a minute ago, I'm moving up to middle school, but we're in Alabama. So um, we... We just have found this um, podcast world so much fun. And like you said, we love getting to meet with other school counselors from across the nation. And this podcast world just kind of brings everybody closer together. Um, It makes the world not seem so big. So, Kim? And I'm Kim Crumbly. And I now am in the same system, or Laura's now in the same system again with me, which is a lot of fun. Um, And... uh, so I am in a unique situation. I'm K through eight and I have been K through 12 all at one time. So we've come a long way so that now I'm just K through eight. But I have been a high school counselor, middle school counselor, elementary counselor. Uh, I'm honored now to be Alabama school counselor, elementary school counselor of the year. Woo-hoo. So that's been a lot of fun. And I like to rub that in Laura's face because guess what? <laughs> He's not. You can't um, have my face. I've got the T-shirt with your picture on it. I know <laughs> you make it not fun when you <laughs> are my fan. Uh, Laura and I have a book that will be that will be ready to be out in about a week. Maybe when this that is so exciting. I saw yeah. that y'all were working on that. 
Yes, so it's it's um, in the final phases, and we hope to have that out by next week, strong by next week. So, uh, and that, that has been a labor of love, and it's just helping your program grow. And uh, we did it kind of with a, uh, we're into puns and into themes in a big way. So this is all kind of a farming thing, which was a lot of fun to do. So it's an easy read. It's a fun read. But uh, we think it's a um, a fun way to get that information out and, and to help school as as you are doing help school counselors and advocate for school counselors. So I love we've that. Got- Will your book be for K through 12 counselors, just generally growing your program or it is. some, some yeah. specific? No, it will be for all. It's just good information about you know how to how to start out, especially well, any for any. I think a lot of times we've been in this for a while, and we just need a relook and a reboost. And so, for new counselors or for counselors that's been in this for twenty years, it's kind of like getting that row straight. Thus, the farming uh, reference, getting that row straight, so that. The rest of your year kind of falls along straight. So it's just kind of getting set up to have a a good year that it kind of builds on where you start out. So kind of is the premise. And I wouldn't say it is, I definitely would not say it is a guide to ramp, but I would say that Kim and I both ramped this year. And this could almost be like your pre-ramp guide. If you follow the things that are in this book, then it will get you ready for the ramp process. Um, but I think if nothing else, just read it for the sheer entertainment value because there are some funny stories in there. So getting ready for ramp is a job in itself. Like once you have to understand the process, you have to understand what you want your program to be before you can even start implementing the stuff. You spend like a year collecting data before you actually even do anything. And so it's important to know like where you're going before you even start it. That'll be perfect. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's that is a very well said. I think yeah. that's even if you choose never to ramp, you still need to know the specifics of what you want to plant, what you want it to look like. You kind of have to have that vision of the end product in mind. And so this kind of helps you to to put a plan in place and to wherever your program is, take it up a step. I love that. I can't wait. You'll have to oh, let me know good. when it's out and I'll link it in the, my show notes. And I'm sure you guys are going to be talking about it everywhere too. Yes. Fantastic. We appreciate that. So let's dive in and we're going to talk about some of the differences between elementary and high school and maybe some of the ways that we can all work together. So Lauren, why don't you um, start us out um, with some of the things that you've noticed? Yeah. Well, I would say even in terms of like working together, I probably should have done more working with like elementary counselors and elementary, but we just didn't really overlap that much, especially in my district. I worked in a huge district, like 14 high schools. I want to say like, I mean, over 30 elementary schools. And so I was more closely connected with middle schools as we were doing registration and getting those eighth graders up to ninth grade. Like we did a lot working with them. Um, And I saw a lot of similarities, honestly, between middle school and high school, especially our own feeder schools, because obviously those were, the students were similar. They were coming from the same neighborhoods. Um, The school I worked at was very diverse in terms of socioeconomic status. Like we had very poor and very wealthy kids, just a mix of neighborhoods that they were coming from. 
Um, and then I would say that we worked really well with our middle school feeder schools because they were all, they all just had this great attitude about being school counselors. Like they were on board. We learned how to ramp from them. Like they did it before us. And so we looked to them like they are fantastic examples of what we want to be as a school counseling team. And they did it before us. And so there's just this mutual respect and we, we just worked well together. And I don't know that that's everywhere. You have to have that open communication to be willing to, hey, we've done it this way before when we let them come and shadow at our school, or we've done registration this way, but like, let's change it up this year. It was a very like open, fluid dialogue for that relationship. But I feel just, like that's like a good way that you could work together with your middle school is just keeping an open dialogue about the things that you know you have on the calendar, that the things that we've always done, and be willing to change them. I don't know. I'm like definitely a person who hates hearing the phrase, like, we've always done it that way. I'm like, well, if it's not efficient or effective, let's change it. Yes. That's Laura's pet peeve. That is, that is, you'll hear her say that often. We've always done it this way. Well, that's probably, if you're saying that, an indication that we might need to relook at that. Right. So I would say that's like a way to, to keep that relationship. How do y'all feel about like elementary to middle school and your experiences like working with counselors that way? Or have you done a lot elementary to high school overlap? Well, that in our system, it has been um, the schools that do like come together and meet. Those counselors take that time to come together and meet. And uh, because we're kind of the same as what you what you were talking about, we've got 12 high schools, I think, and, and probably. At least. Oh, probably about the same 25, 30, I don't know, other middles and highs that are coming in. So it's a big school system, but usually that high school has, of course, that elementary and middle and maybe even a feeder school that ties into that. And so I've worked really well. We're a feeder school that I'm at now, and I work really well with the main campus, uh, elementary, middle, and high school counselors that are there on that main campus. Uh, And we've seen school systems that work really, they, they take time to meet. Uh, I, I need to do a better job of that. But what I did notice was um, this was pre-pandemic and, and now we know it's, it's upticked even more that just this mental health crisis that our, that our country is facing. And uh, it's, it was very hard as a high school counselor to have the time to really take care of the social emotional needs of those high school counselors, which we know are vast. But a lot of the things that I was seeing in the high school, and that was the conversation I had with our system, was some of the things that I'm seeing if if we as elementary school counselors would start packing more in their suitcases, if you will, they would have better coping skills. And so I really think that that is a trend that I'm seeing nationwide is that we are looking more at the mental health at a, at a younger age. We see that we have to. So um, I think that is a huge part of that collaboration is, is seeing the vital work that those early grades, they just can't miss those opportunities. They can't not get this right now because um, we know that to, to, to work and perform academically, they've got to be in that executive brain and we've got too many kids in survival brain. And I think that's where we're going to have to, to really 
pack that in at a younger age and get more training, more PD on how all that mental health stuff that maybe school counselors left college and really before this crisis. Um, and we're, we've got to be prepared for that. And I think that's where those conversations, like what we need to know what the trend is in high school, I guess, to kind of put all that we can in before they get to that. Say, one of the scariest things that I found with high school is those students who had those, they were in survival brain and our traumatic brain. And um, they had a car that they could drive. You know, they had, um, they could get angry and, and leave school. They could, you know, there were a lot of times I would call parents and where's your kid at? I'm very concerned about where their headspace is right now. And not that we don't see elementary and middle school doing, you know, uh, having suicidal thoughts and crisis, but it was, I think it was very, it was, it was more burdensome, I think, for me as a high school counselor. So those are conversations that maybe we need to all have with one another so that that middle school and that elementary school counselor can see that burden that that high school counselor has. Not that we all don't have it, but you've got a, adults basically in, yeah. in that underdeveloped brain. And um, that, that makes it a little bit scary. There's, no, there's less mamas, if you will, that have hands on those high schoolers. So I think those would be great conversations to have. And I think I just came up with something for us three, maybe to do a conference on and (laughs) there you go and have these conversations. I I think you just brought up so many good points. Like I was thinking that that is a collaboration piece that we're missing. Even just sitting down elementary and high school in the same district and saying like, what is your scope and sequence look like? What does your curriculum map look like throughout the year? Because that's so different at the high school level. Like I see those examples of what elementary school counselors are doing, like a character trait of the month and a coping skill of the month. I'm like, oh, I mean, we're we're barely getting into classrooms to do that or we're really having to fight to do that. It's just like on the back burner for a lot of high school counselors. But when you see, okay, these are the building blocks that elementary counselors are doing. How can we continue building on that? Because Sometimes they just miss it all together. Like they've gotten to high school and we forget, we think that they're adults and they don't have those skills developed. Like their brain is not developed yet and they don't have those social emotional skills. And so like elementary school counselors are carrying such a weight on establishing those with their students, but we as high school counselors need to follow up and keep doing that. And so I would say that if you're moving from elementary to high school or um, you have experience at the elementary level, like don't discount those experiences that you have, like those are huge to bring in, whether you're going into interview somewhere or, um, you know, you're just starting in a high school and you're like, well, these are like adults. I don't know how to talk to them or work with them. They need the same skills. They need the same information, the same repetition and practice as an elementary school student. They haven't mastered it yet. Yeah. One I of think the-, the biggest surprises and I've, and Laura, of course you've worked with youth for years and years. So, you know, that was one of the biggest surprises is going into high school and you have that fear, well, you know, they're older kids and, and, but really that goes out, that goes out the, out the window when you get in there and you see that they are kids, they're kids, they want to be loved. They want to be heard, uh, all of the things. One of the high school counselors that I have worked with, um, is just so brilliant. Um, her name is Cindy Hammond. And so little shout out to her. She's wonderful. But she talked about how there's still 
kids. And so she had to do a lesson. I don't even remember what it was now, but she set up stations just like you would in the elementary. Um, and so she chose children's book I, books. I think it was like Mean Jean, the Recess Queen. I think she was trying to talk about like our relationships with each other and stuff like that. But she chose children's book books and just had them um, like maybe annotate and write something, maybe a little bit more involved than what elementary students would do. But then she had them rotate to another station where they would do an art project based on what they had learned from the book. And so I just thought, my goodness, that is exactly what we would do at the elementary level. They're just bigger kids. But she said that was so rewarding for the kids and for her to see too. They enjoyed that so much. And she said they probably got more out of that lesson than other things she's done. Yeah, I think don't overthink it as a high school counselor. Like they want to get up and move their bodies too. Like their attention spans are short. They, I would use kids' books too. That book one by Catherine Otoshi mm-hmm. is that what it is? Um, and it doesn't it doesn't feel too juvenile, yeah. but they think like, oh, I'm like thinking really deeply about this because now I'm older, and it still pertains to like their classroom community and the ways they interact with their friends, whether they're inclusive or they leave them out. Like there's all the lessons are still the same. And they, there's part of it that's like reminiscent for them too. Like they think yes. it's fun to, to be a kid again. Cause they're, they're forced to grow up too fast with their responsibilities, whether it's at home or like you said, just even the responsibility of driving, like they're driving siblings places and they're being the adult a lot of times that we don't give them opportunities to be kids and to learn like a kid again. It's kind of refreshing for them. Yeah. That is so true. What you just said, I think, was so powerful, Lauren, about they find truths and nuggets that you couldn't see at the age that that book was written for. There are things in there. And I did with middle school, um, The Little Train That Could. And um, we had this whole unpacking of that. But it's like you heard it as a child. But then you're really hearing this deeper message. It's almost like, you know, these songs that we I don't know if you were like this, guys, but like I'll hear a song that I sang, I would sing as a teenager, even as a teenager. And um, now I, I listen to it. I'm going, oh, my gosh. What was like, I- how did my parents let me listen to that? What, what was I saying? I was saying these words And like, you know, what What in the world? And so you, you do kind of get more truth out of things as you get older. So I think that is a valid point. Lauren, I wish that you would speak to us a little bit about this whole High school counselor, where you're almost like Jekyll and Hyde, not not angry and and happy, but you have to be two people. Because I've always felt as a school counselor, it was very hard to juggle the secretarial, got to get you to college, scholarships. Let's have our small groups of those going to call those kinds of things. With that school counselor, that is trying to get those lessons in, that school counselor who is meeting that student on a um, emotional level. I think that was the biggest difference between like middle school where you can focus on that emotional side. You're having to do double duty, I felt like in high school. And I felt like sometimes my social emotional stuff would have to go by the wayside because you have to make sure that they're getting the ASVAB and the ACT test and all the college scholarships. So how do you, how do high school counselors balance that well? Or can, does something need to change in that? 
I think that the expectations are high and they're real. And I think there's a, a much different pressure. I would, you know, I haven't worked in elementary or middle, but it sounds like it is true that there are more pressures in high school to get them to graduate. Like that graduation rate stuff is real. You feel that pressure from your principal because it, their job is on the line for that. Yeah. And yeah, but at the same time, I want what's best for my students and that's for them to get a high school diploma. So I really do care about it too. Um, but I would encourage anyone who is like afraid of high school because all they hear, you only do paperwork. You sit at your desk and do paperwork and look at transcripts and submit letters of recommendation. I'm like, you do, you do some of that, but it's what you want it to be. Like I have to get that stuff done, but I'm going to make time to see students. And some of that does come from the support from your administrators. Like if they understand your role, what you should be doing, they will, they will allow you the time to do that. But at the same time, I tell people, don't be afraid to shut your door and block off some time to get some of that paperwork done because that is your job too. So you don't need to feel guilty about doing it. Think about it. You are supporting students in some way by doing that, whether it's writing a letter of recommendation, submitting stuff for them on Common App, um, you know, submitting some scholarship applications with them. Everything you're doing is for them. And yes, some of it is more tedious, like a state scholarship report or something. But then you get to look at it and be so proud that your students achieved all these scholarships. It's just kind of, okay, we got to jump through some hoops to get there. But when I would have days where I knew a lot of my day was going to be some of those deadlines that were coming up and I needed to work on it, I would pause and I would be like, okay, I need to just go check in with some students. I'm going to leave my office. I'm going to go knock on the door of this classroom and talk to them in the hallway. I'm going to go see these students in the cafeteria. I'm going to make sure I'm outside my office when the class changes so I can interact with students because that's what would bring me joy. And I know if I'm sitting doing paperwork for a week straight with my door shut, that's not going to fill me up. I'm not going to be happy at my job. I'm going to be pretty frustrated and burnt out. And so I don't want to lose that flame. Um, so I'd say it's possible, but it definitely, there are seasons of the year, even when there's more of that, like October, like in the fall and your seniors will feel like they're taking a lot out of you, but so much of it is one-on-one -on -one stuff too. Like you're sitting with a student and their parent answering questions and you become this expert in things you didn't even know you could be an expert in. And, but it's, it's a balance for sure. And I, I guess there are places where maybe it's more paperwork, but when people say that's all you do, I'm like, I don't think you're doing the right thing. <laughs> like, I don't know that you're aligning your priorities because that's not what I would choose to do all day. So I just, I wouldn't do that. So you've got to strike a balance between all the things. And one of the things that you said really stood out to me, don't feel guilty for those times that you have to do the paperwork. And Kim and I have talked about that, and we even mentioned that in our book, that there are times when that is a necessary part of our job. No matter what level you're at, that's a necessary job. Those things have to get done. We do talk about the importance of um, explaining your role to the teachers and you know, having those teacher training moments where you stand up and explain your role. Um, is that something that you would recommend for a high school counselor as well? Definitely, because everyone's experiences with a counselor are different. Maybe their only experience is from when they were in high school, whether they knew mm -hmm. their counselor or not. Maybe it, you're new, you're the new person at the school, and their only experience was the person who was there for 80 years and sat in their office and never talked to students. Like, you get to reinvent what your position is and tell them, like, you're this, you're a school counselor, you're proactive, you're data driven, and you get to tell them about those things. Like, 
even if you feel like you're saying what you do for your role a hundred times over and over and over again, like somebody's going to hear it different and they're going to respect what you're doing a little bit more. Because if they don't know what you're doing, I would find that they just wouldn't send you students. When the social emotional stuff would come up in the classroom, they would think they have to handle it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want you to feel like I have the training to do that and you don't. That's a big weight on you. Send them to me. But if they don't know that that's my role, like no one's going to be working in their zone of genius and everyone's going to be frustrated and burnt out. So I would always do a presentation definitely at the beginning of the year. And I would do that just for administrators. And that might feel silly. Like, of course, an administrator knows what we do. No, a lot of times they don't. Like, if they haven't worked closely or worked with a good counselor before, they might have no idea what you do day to day. And so when you get to be a team together, you make so much more progress than when you're working against each other. Like, they get to carry that discipline side. You get to come in and be the support. You work with the same students, but you do different things and work really well together. But they have to know what your role is. And at the same time, you can listen to what their role is. And we can establish what our responsibilities are and how we're going to work well together. So I would say do some sort of presentation or have a conversation with the admin team and your counselor team. And then do ask for a little bit of time at the beginning of the year, whether that's in a round robin session where teachers come to you or you just get up and do a short little presentation. Just like students, they need to know what you do and what you don't do because we all know like students constantly have misunderstandings about what counselors do. I remember asking students just to prove a point, like to tell them what we do. What do you think I do? What are some things? They're like dress code, discipline. I'm like, no. I mean, I don't care. I don't care what you're wearing. I mean, please be clothed, but like, I, it's not my responsibility to keep you in line in that way. Um but they, students are just as confused as teachers, as admin. And so I also don't think it's bad to do it each semester. Like you have teachers moving into different roles who they weren't paying attention at the beginning of the year meeting because they were an aide in the special ed classroom. And now they're teaching for real full time. They are the teacher in this classroom. And now they're listening to the procedures of school. And so everyone to hear it multiple times, I don't think is a bad thing. And you get them listening. They understand your role. And so you get to perform in your role. It's not, they're not confused why you're talking to students because that can be weird too. If the person before you never talked to students and now all of a sudden you're calling students down from their class, they're like, what are they doing with my students? Why aren't they in class? Now they understand you're like teaching them something. You're problem solving with them. You're working through something hard. You're filing a DSS case. I mean, all the examples of things you might be doing, they might have no idea. So I think the more you can talk about it and advocate for your role, then the better. Absolutely. They'll assume what you do if you don't tell yes. them what you're doing. Exactly. Well, the same thing, no matter what level, it's a great idea to have those conversations with your administration because the administrators have a job to do too. And if they don't, if you don't tell them what your role is, then they're going to create that role for you. And that's where a lot of frustration comes from is the lack of understanding, but it's really a lack of communication. If they see that you're confident in your role and you know what you're supposed to be doing, then a lot of times that eases their mind because they've got a school to run and it falls on them. Um, I wanted to tell you that uh, when I was with little bitty students, little bitty ones, um, we talked about what my role as a school counselor was. And one of the students said, when I said, what do you think the school counselor does? He said, well, you cancel school. And I was like, what? He said, you make the calls whenever um, we're out for snow. And I was like, 
how in the world? But it hit me, school canceler. Canceler. (laughs) I have never heard that story. That is hilarious. Like, yes, that's all I do. I wait to cancel school. Yes. What a, that would be fun. the greatest job ever. But in Alabama, I mean, really, I was just thinking that he's that child's waited a long time for a snow day. <laughs> <laughs> More tornado counselor. We get out for, yes. for, for tornadoes. That is so funny. I well, what you that. said, Laura, about the establishing a role and like telling them what you do, I know it feels it kind of could feel like annoying. Like they don't need, they don't, they don't care what I do or they don't want to listen to what I do. I think some of that can just be the transparency of, you know, bringing them ideas as you're asking them for feedback on things that you want to do, having them align to their goals, being transparent about your calendar. I think people get really weird about that. Like I don't need to tell everybody what I'm doing all the time. Like then they're going to micromanage me. I'm like, no, they just, when they try and put something on your calendar, like now you're the new testing coordinator. I mean, I'm a little spicy. And so I would do this and I know not everyone would, but I'd be like, well, where on my calendar do you think that should fit in? Because I'm these are the roles that I'm supposed to do and I am doing them. Is there one of these things that you want me to take off of here to put it on? And they're like, oh, but if they know that they can access that and kind of see it anytime, like I have nothing to hide. I, yes, there are times when I have it blocked off, like I'm in my office working on this paperwork, but again, that's part of my job. And so they can see that, they can ask questions about it. But I find that they don't micromanage, they don't ask questions about it. If if you're just honest and open about what you're doing, Absolutely. I don't I don't think that that's that weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, smart. Yeah. I like to have those conversations by saying things like, and this is, I mean, this is true. I am a counselor through and through. I do not have that administrator brain. I will never have that administrator brain. Um, and so you are bringing value as the counselor. And when they see it that way, I think a lot of times it disarms that whole conversation because you're not trying to be the boss. You're not trying to have that, you know, come in and, and tell them how it's going to be. You're just saying, this is my job. This is my mindset. This is this is the world that I live in. So this is the lens that I'm seeing it through. And I, I think that's really helped facilitate a lot of those conversations over the years. And these are the skill, like our skill set is different, but together it's something that really serves students and helps families in a way that, I mean, apart, we're not going to get as much done. I just, I think of the senior administrator that I work so closely with. And sometimes, I mean, she had been in the profession for so long. She could say things to a family that I would never dream of saying. And like, we would walk away. I'd be like, okay, that was good. Or Hey, don't say that again because you you don't know the like the background of this situation, like what the mom has been through and she has told me some of that and it's like, "Oh, okay." But when you have open communication like that with an administrator, like you can go out a problem from two different directions and solve it so much better than you could on your own just as the counselor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, which was why that relationship is so important. If you can have that relationship, we hear from so many counselors who that's just they're stuck with an administrator that does not know their role, does not care about their role. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you said, Lauren, I thought was really interesting. It's about the ballots. And I think for a high school counselor, um, you can, you, you make that, as you said, you make it what you want it to be. And I think there are high school counselors who don't want to strike that balance. They they went into it to get those scholarships and they do enjoy that and they shut that door and that's what they do. And the kids, that's how, they, that's how the kids see it. But even in middle and elementary, 
it's there is a balance. It, we we have met with school counselors who all they want to do is be in the room. That's all. Just from one, you know, one or their administrator wants them to, and that's not a balance either. And so, uh, getting that direct and indirect time correct is is I think very hard in in high school. But I I can even see it in those lower grades where it is what you make it to be. And you are, we're all made to, to kind of be drawn to one or the other. And you have to sometimes make yourself get out of that comfort zone to get that balance. Like what you were saying, I go to the lunchroom, I stand out in the hallway, I make, making sure I see students. But if, if that's not your thing, you kind of have to, it's not okay just to say, I'm just not going to do it. It's really a balance for all of us to make that balance because we can really be heavy on any, any part of this and, and get by with it because it's still part of your job. So it's really, it's really important that we all, no matter where side we lean to strike that balance. I hadn't thought about that in an elementary school, like that you could just lean on that, like never being in your office because you're going from classroom to classroom or something. And so you're not giving any time for that responsive services, like the crisis that comes up during the day, you're just unavailable to that. And I could see how people would want to do that if that's intimidating to them to have a crisis situation. Like, well, I'm just not going to be available for crises. I'm going to fill my calendar with things. So somebody else has to deal with it. But like you said, building in almost like some white space to think about, I'm sure you talk about this in your book, but to think about your program as a whole, if you're going, 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 and you don't allow any time for that, your program can't ever evolve and turn into something better and grow if you're not giving some space even to thinking about like how we do things, why we do things, how we can improve the way we're doing this, or how we can add a new different type of classroom lesson for the needs of our students. I imagine elementary could start to feel like you're a teacher where you do the same thing year after year because you know your students love this classroom activity or they love reading this book together. And so you never change anything. Uh, I mean, it could be like that in the high school too. You never challenge yourself to teach more of the social emotional skills because you know they need the academics, reading a transcript, learning about scholarships. But we have to give ourselves the space, the white space in our schedule. And maybe that's at the very end of the summer, right before the school year starts to evaluate how our program is doing and what we want to keep the same and what we want to change. Yeah, well, that's so important. To your point too, no matter what level you're in, if you're running a data-driven program, then it's going to change every year because you've got a different group of students with a different group of need or different set of needs. So you know, whether this group of students responded to this book or to that activity at high school or, you know, whatever, you've got a different group of students coming in. It does not matter if this group responded well or not. You've got to look at the needs of this group of students, no matter what level you're in. So, you know, that's one thing that's the same across the board. I just did a podcast episode on needs assessments. And I was like, you can't even, I'm really passionate about like, not putting out a needs assessment and saying, hey, this is one size fits all. You know, people are always yes. asking, can you have an example of a needs assessment? I'm like, it's going to be so different for your school. But I was even thinking, it's different at my school from year to year. I can't yes. copy and paste the same needs assessment. When I look at the data from the end of the year and I think about what our goals are for the new year, I'm going to ask different questions depending on what my students might need this year and what, I, what I'm observing and noticing and what questions I want answered. So it's not a one size fits all. And I think that's across the board too, elementary, middle and high. Definitely. It is. And, and we speak to that too, that using that 
needs assessment as a is not a huge data piece. There are so many other things that are that are more valuable as data for us to use. And the it's it, it. yeah, it's it's just that and yeah. no more. But you're absolutely right. So we're we're agreeing with you on that, Lauren. Well, Lauren, we have kept you and we've done as much talking as you have, but it's been so much fun to sit uh, elementary, middle and high all together and have a conversation. And so it's been a lot of fun. But is there anything that you're passionate about that you before we go that you want to talk to us about or what you have going or what's next for you? Yeah, I was just saying, I was actually like surprised. I was coming in here being like, there are going to be so many differences between elementary, middle and high school because I feel like when you do your practicum, when you do your internship, they are so different. Like you get a thousand hugs in the hallway from elementary school and high school. I'm like, I don't really want to give you a hug. Like you smell bad. (laughs) But like, you know, there are so many things that are different, but we are acting in the same role. Our students have very similar needs. Like you said, they are kids through and through who want structure and discipline and they want to be loved and they want to be known and cared for that. It's cool to see that we are all in the same roles and we have the same heart for what we're doing, no matter what the level is. I would encourage anyone who is like making the leap, whether it's elementary to middle, middle to high, elementary to high school, like they're all fun. And so you're not going to make a bad decision. Everything can be a season. Like that can be, it can feel scary to be maybe, you know, put out by your school and have to go interview somewhere else. But they're all fun in their own different ways. And so if you have to make a change or you're wanting to make a change, don't be intimidated by it. Look at it like this is something new and exciting. That is perfectly said. And, and um, you're absolutely right. Laura and I say we, everything we do, we, we look at it like, well, this, you know, if it's something new, well, this is new. Let's see what happens. And I love your attitude about that. You're absolutely right. I think it's, it can, it is what you make it. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. We of course. Are, keep advocating for school counselors. You're doing a great job and we need all the advocating we can get and shout outs and praises for our hardworking high school counselors. Well, y'all are doing the same. So I appreciate the conversation. It was really fun. Thank y'all. Thank you. Well, I feel like we have a new best friend. I love her and I'm so glad that I took the time to reach out to have her on the podcast. Yes, that was all you. Mm, thank you. Mm. Uh, I, that was a really, a really good conversation, and it made me think how important those conversations between those age levels are, mm-hmm. and uh, that's something that we need to take time to start having those collaborations, so that we, you know, it, it all goes hand, all goes hand in hand, but it. To think about the differences in what they're experiencing and what we see in the middle and what we see in the elementary. And we we can help facilitate one another and help, yeah. help with those things. So great conversation, great collaboration. Yeah. I think one of my key takeaways was something that you said about how we need to know at the lower levels what the upper levels are, are dealing with so that we can, I mean, it's not to say that when they get to the high school level, those are still going to be the same things that they're dealing with, but we can be proactive and start planting those seeds in the younger years. Um, so that, you know, maybe those aren't the things that the high school counselors are dealing with, or maybe they'll see a difference. It would be interesting to collect data over the years. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Do a long-term study or something, but 
Yeah, absolutely. But it, you know, when those kids are the same kids that you have and they move on to the middle, but you have a, maybe a background that that middle school teacher knows what works with this student, or maybe that you have them in middle school and taking the time and making that priority to reach out to that high school. And, you know, you're still advocating for that kid, always your kid, you know, this is what they experienced or this is what helps or works or whatever. So um, I think it's good for us to, you know, we get in our own bubble and that's kind of who we're drawn to are those people that are in that bubble with us as far as school counselors go. But I think it's very important that we do reach out across those levels to see what's trending. What what are they seeing in high school now and how can how can we, you know, because when we do those, you think about those vision statements that we're writing and we write those vision statements for what those students are going to be down the road. And as an elementary counselor, say, or even as a middle school counselor, are we still seeing those things that we put in place? Um, that was the reason we did it, you know, yeah. at the time. So just, I think you have a, a part in that. So it's, it was, it was very interesting. And I was, I was for real when I said I would love to do a, you know, a collaboration among all grade levels just to hear about what, how they think differently or what's, you know, what they're seeing. Yeah. Well, that is a challenge maybe to our listeners that as you're starting to prepare for the upcoming year, maybe think about how you can bridge the gap between where you are and the next level above you or below you or wherever, wherever you land in that. And just have some of those conversations, um, talk to your supervisor maybe, and see about arranging those meetings or just step out of your comfort zone and invite somebody to lunch after a meeting um, that maybe is at a different level than what you would normally. Absolutely. Oh, good ideas. All right. Well, um, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook at the time that this airs, you will be able to order our book. Is that too bold to say? Well, it's not very Southern, but we'll go ahead and be bold. Well, we'll see. You may be able to order our book. And if so, it'll be linked in our show notes. Very good. Okay. Have a good week.